This is the Influencer Entrepreneurs Podcast with Jenny Melrose, where I strategize with business owners on how to grow and scale their businesses to hit their income goals. This is episode 187 of the Influencer Entrepreneurs Podcast with Jenny Melrose. Today, we're going to be talking about how to create a virtual summit with Krista Miller. Now, before my food bloggers and my home decor bloggers start going, "Eh, this isn't the right episode for me, you need to make sure that you listen in. This is an amazing way to get in front of a new audience and build your email list. Now, I also want to make sure that as you're listening or not while you're driving, of course, or anything crazy, but when you have an opportunity, make sure you get over to the show notes because we are including a freebie that Krista has, which is going to be um, the ways in which you can actually put together a virtual summit and make sure that it's done the right way for you. So it's going to be the 12 secrets to your first profitable online summit. If you have an opportunity right now or after you're done listening, make sure that you pop over to grab that episode. You guys, I'm telling you, I could have asked her a million other questions. Even after doing my own summit, I took away so much great information from this. All right, so let's dive in. Hi, Krista. How are you? Hey, I am so great. So excited to be here. This is going to be a fun little geek out session about summits. So thanks for inviting me on. No, I am so excited about this. I've done a couple of summits myself. Um, and now I have a lot of my audience that are not in your typical summit audience um, asking about them. Food bloggers, DIY home decor bloggers wanting to understand how they could possibly pull off a summit. Before we really dive into all of the bits and pieces of them, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. Yeah, so I am Krista. I am the owner of Summit in a Box. And our mission with Summit in a Box is to make summits so much easier than they than they actually are. Uh, it is not uncommon to hear someone say that a summit took them four or 500 hours to put together. There are so many moving pieces, it can get really complex. And our mission is to take out that complexity by giving all the strategies, simplifying those strategies into what is actually effective, and then providing the tools and resources people need to make it easy, whether it is website templates and email scripts and graphic templates, just anything we can create and give people to make this process easy so they can just connect with their audience, put on an awesome summit and make some money. That's our mission. Perfect. So let's start really basic with how would you define an online summit? Yeah. So I would define an online summit as an online or virtual event that brings together a group of experts, usually around 20, but it can literally be five to 50 or more, usually around 20, to teach an audience on various topics that all relate to an overarching topic. So all the presentations are angled differently, but they all have this, they share this one bigger mission. And that bigger topic is designed to solve one of that audience's most pressing problems or to give them content about something they're really excited about, which I feel like is perfect for the type of people in your audience. But summits are typically four to five days in length. But again, I've seen them anywhere from one day to 30 days. But the big piece is an online event bringing together that group of experts to teach about a specific topic. 
Now, with everything, of course, we're still in the middle of COVID when we're recording this. So things have had to turn virtual. Mm -hmm. Have you seen an uptick in the people that are interested in wanting to do more summits? Oh my goodness. Yes, it has been. So we have the people who were already doing them and knew they were awesome. We had people who were doing in-person events and thought those were awesome who now have to move online. And then we have all the people seeing these things happen and they're like, oh, I want to do that too. So there's so many people doing these things, but the great part is when you do it right and you do a summit for your specific audience, it doesn't get watered down. It's not like I, you know, I watch for summits all the time and I'm still not saying, oh my gosh, I'm so sick of seeing a summit about that topic because there are such a wide range of possibilities and you can do them all so differently, but they are definitely on the rise right now. Yes, no, absolutely. I personally was that in-person person, um, had to cancel after planning some, uh, in-person conference for a year turned it into a summit um two weeks prior because so, i was oh, april 1st was when we were supposed to be in person and of course that was like three weeks into covid and we just kind of went okay let's do this the best we can we're gonna band-aid it and duct tape it together and make it work oh. but i do i think the interesting part though too is that in the past, like listeners that I have that are food bloggers or those DIY home decors or even parenting bloggers, they didn't have an audience that understood the technology that could get onto a Zoom call or watch a live. It was complicated for them. And now we've seen such a huge shift because so many of their children had to learn virtually via Zoom that they now understand it and are ready for getting any sort of information and contact with people, I feel like. Yes. Oh my goodness. That's such a good point. I had actually never thought of um, what you brought up about people not knowing how to use Zoom. I'm like, you guys just click a link. It's fine. But they, they're, they're suspicious about links. They're like, this wants to download something. Now what? Uh, and there are like really easy tech platforms we could even get into that still remove those things today. But that's a really good point that people are who, who weren't set up for it before might be a little bit more set up now. That's really cool. Yes. No, absolutely. I've seen so many different people that will meet with their like family and they're doing Zoom calls yeah. now. So it's just almost like second nature. It's great. So let's start. In order to create a virtual summit, what would you recommend as a virtual summit platform? I think that's going to be the biggest question that most people are going to want to know. Mm -hmm. And I love this question. We talked a little bit before, you know, I was guessing that your audience was mostly on WordPress, which you said yes. And that's great. Honestly, you can host a summit on whatever website platform you are using. I, like I have yet to run into someone on a platform where I have to say, oh no, you can't use this. You have to do something else. You can make it work on whatever you're using. If you're using WordPress, that's perfect. That's my number one recommendation. You guys understand the plugins, setting up pages, you know, making templates and duplicating them. That's really all you need to do. If you can, you know, have it. So if someone signs up for your summit, it goes to your email marketing platform, whether that's something for free, something a little more complicated, doesn't matter. That's really all you need. If you still have an audience that is still less tax savvy, you can actually do it all in a Facebook group. Honestly, I would still recommend having them register so you can get those email addresses but you can, you can put all your presentations in a Facebook group, have a community going on. You can host an incredible summit right out of Facebook. So let's actually talk a little bit about that summit landing page where you would capture the email addresses. What should be included on it? Oh my goodness. I love this question because I 
I see the bad landing pages. The, the most important thing to have on your landing page is copy that's focused on what your audience is going to get out of your summit. And I think something that a lot of hosts fall into doing is they focus on the fact that they're hosting a summit. Oh my gosh, it's so cool that I'm hosting this summit. You know, come sign up. It's so exciting. But the audience is like, I don't care. I don't care that it's a summit. Like, cool. That's a lot of work. I don't care. But if you instead focus on what they're going to get out of it and what pain points you're going to solve, so much more powerful. And that's what matters. That's what's going to make someone register every single time. They don't care that it's a summit. You know, once they get into it, that definitely helps. Um, but the, the results and pain points are the most important thing. You need to start with that in the very beginning. The header of your registration page should have, should have your summit name, which should right there either make it really clear what the audience is or really clear what kind of transformation you're making for them. It should have an attention-grabbing tagline. So take your summit name one step further and give a little more context. Like for example, my summit is a five day event to help make your design business more efficient, profitable, and stress-free. So they know it's a five day event. They know it's for designers and they know what the outcome is. Uh, you want the summit dates and a button to register all those things right in the header. So boom, they know if it's for them, uh, what it is, when it is. And if they're ready to register right there, that's great. Most of them will keep scrolling, but that's okay too, because the rest of the page, you're still going to have those results and pain points sprinkled throughout. That's still the goal of this page. They need to come up over and over, not just in the header. You also want to have a welcome video. This is huge. I see a lot of registration pages where you go to the page and you have no clue who is hosting the summit. And I get this question a lot in my Facebook group. They're like, should I be on the registration page? Should I include myself? Should I have my own presentation in my summit? Like, why are you doing a summit? If you don't want to be in front of these people, get in front of these people. And the welcome video is the perfect place to do that for the first time. Because when you think about how a summit works, you're inviting speakers to then invite their audience. There are going to be so many people who don't know who you are. And this video on the registration page is the perfect place to introduce yourself and really get them accustomed to you and start to like you and feel connected with you so much faster than you would without it. So on that, in that welcome video, I basically just introduce myself really quickly, say, here's what it is, what it is. Your next step is to click the button and register for the summit. So the welcome video is really, really important. Information on your speakers is also great, but a lot of times people go too far with this. The registration page is not the time to share all the information you have about their speakers, like their bios and when their presentation is going live and all this information. All you need about your speakers on this registration page is their headshot, their name, and the title of their presentation. You don't need the name of their business. You don't need their bio. You don't need the schedule. That can all come later. The, everything on your registration page should be there to increase the likelihood that people will sign up. A bio isn't going to do that. The present, the title of the speaker's presentation will do that. So keep that in mind when you're listing your speaker information. You also want to have information about yourself. So yes, you should have that welcome video. You also want to have a bio section with your headshot, quick, you know, three to five sentence bio about yourself uh, that's really related to what the summit's all about. Of course, you should have information on what to expect. So when is it? A little bit on how to access it. Uh, if you're going to have a Facebook community, which I recommend, that's a great place to mention it. Any deals, details like that, you want to kind of have that um, in one location. Now, th this is another one of the places where a lot of people tend to make that their whole page. All, the whole page is just explaining how this thing, thing works. But again, the benefits and pain points are what we want to focus on through the whole page. You're only saying what to expect in one spot. 
if you have testimonials that are relevant, put them in there, whether it's, you know, just from someone, you know, if you are a food blogger, someone saying that they love your recipes, heck yeah, screenshot that, put it on the page. If, if you've run a summit or some kind of event before and you have a, a testimonial you can get about that, put that on the page as well. Totally not necessary, just a little added bonus. You should have an FAQ section. Now you will you will get a lot of questions when you run a summit, so that's a great place to go. Okay, these people are asking where to find the free community over and over. I'm going to go add it here, you know? And then of course you always want your legal information and your like login link. So like I have in the footer of my website, I have legal and like logged into your account here. So I know that was a lot of information. I think the most important part is focus on those results and pain points, focus on the fact that it's a summit next. Did all of that make sense? It totally didn't. As you're doing it, I'm going through checking off like, yep, that I have that. Nope. Didn't Yay. do that. Welcome video. <laughs> Especially I think it's so, yeah. it's just brilliant because it does give you that opportunity to kind of like get that FaceTime in front of them. So they know who exactly who you are. I love it. Yeah. So good. So you kind of mentioned in the beginning when we were talking about what an online summit would be when we were defining it, but what would you say is the ideal number of days and speakers for a virtual mm-hmm. summit? So you guys are probably going to roll your eyes at my answer. I'm going to say that overall, there's not an ideal. Um, Most commonly, you're going to see about 15 to 20 speakers, maybe up to 25 over a three to five day period. That's the most common. Uh, If I had to recommend something, that's, that's the range I would put it in, 15 to 20 speakers over three to five days. And I say that because more than that can get overwhelming your first time. The, the most complicated part of a summit, I'm interested to see if you agree, but in my opinion, it's managing your speakers and getting what you need from them, making sure everyone's where they need to be, when they need to be there. So having, you know, going up to like 30 speakers, that can be a lot for your first time around. So I said, you know, stick to 15 to 20 and just see how it goes. It also, having more speakers isn't guaranteed to increase the effectiveness of your summit either. You have to make sure you're you're doing it right. You're getting the right speakers. So having, having more speakers won't necessarily get you better results, but if you go too far under that, you know, 15 person mark, you might not get quite the reach you were looking for either. Um, You can totally host an incredibly powerful small summit if you have the perfect speakers, topic and audience. So you want me to break that down what that looks like a little bit? I would definitely love for you to talk about speakers. That's what I kept in the back of my head was, okay, tell me what the right speakers looks like. What exactly am I looking for? Yeah, I love that. So the right speakers this will make or break your summit. There are a few things that I will say that to, but this is one of the biggest ones. You could have everything else right. If you don't have the right speakers lined up, you are just not going to see the payoff that you want. So the right speakers include people who have the exact same audience that you want to target with your summit. It's not your friends. It's not the people you felt brave enough to pitch. It is people with the exact same audience as your summit. And I don't care how big or small they are. Uh, a lot of people, when they're going to pitch speakers, they feel like they need to pitch all these big name people, but you, you'll very likely find that the more well-known a speaker is, the less likely they are to help you promote. So getting a lineup of powerhouse speakers 
will sometimes lead to a very disappointing summit, honestly. I've always found the best results with pitching the speakers who are kind of in the middle range. And for my audience specifically, that's like speakers about, with about 10,000 followers on Instagram. Like they know what they're doing. They got a great engaged audience, but they haven't started removing themselves from their business yet. They're still really engaged. They're in tune with their audience. That might be different, um, you know, for each specific summit and each person's speakers, but that's kind of what it looks like for me those are the people that get results. They want to provide their audience with this incredible free resource, which your summit is, uh, and they're more than willing to spread the word about it. So those are the big things to pay attention to. Okay. I find it interesting that you mentioned Instagram followers compared to email subscribers. So do you, you look for those kind of simultaneously as if they're valued the same way? So for my specific audience, I just look at Instagram because my, I run my summits for designers. They are all over Instagram. Um, that's where I'm connecting with potential speakers. So that's what I look at. It is harder to judge someone's email list because you can never tell what the size is. If you tend to have speakers who are, maybe they're not very engaged on Instagram, you know they're in their email list more, definitely sign up for it. See what kinds of content they're putting out. Is it just kind of fluffy and just pitching for their program? Or are they still giving value, trying to connect with their people? Uh, kind of look at what their end goal is with the emails they're sending, and that will give you some clues too. That's so smart. Because you're right. You can see what they're doing on Instagram, whether they're consistent, whether they do stories, are they actually trying to get people to click through and know how to get, get do a call to action. Um, but I love the suggestion of signing up for their email list. Because you're right. If they only email once a month or once every quarter, how is that going to benefit you anyways? Yeah. Um, so, so very smart. I love it. Um, do you recommend having a paid all access pass for a summit? Okay, let me tell you what I recommend here. I have very strong views. I recommend free initial access to your summit. So okay. someone can register for your summit and view the presentations for free for a limited time. So usually that's 24 or 48 hours. I've always done 24 in the past, except for my last summit, which took place literally the week COVID hit the United States. So I was like, all right, you guys, I'll give you an extra day to watch these presentations. It did not affect like the results or conversion rates at all. So 24 to 48 hours doesn't matter, but there should be a period where they can access the presentations for free. Then to get ongoing access to the presentations, uh, along with some bonuses that I recommend sprinkling in, they can get that in your all access pass, which is a paid upgrade to your summit. And you'll hear this referred to as like the freemium model where people sign up for free, then they can upgrade to this pre premium pass. It's what I recommend doing. It's so powerful. Uh, I talked to someone on my podcast, actually the episode went live this week as we were recording it, who ran two paid summits. So paid entry to get to the summit. And then her third one was a free summit. And she like more than five X six, six X her numbers from the, from the, from the paid summits because so many more people are willing to sign up for something for free and then be convinced to buy. Your speakers are also way more likely to share something that's free. That, that feels better to us than being like, here, buy this thing from this person you've never heard of. I'm a part of it. You should buy it. Like that is just isn't as natural to people. So start with free and then have that paid upgrade. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. And that's I'm, the majority of the ones that I've seen, that was the way that they were done. Um, so that definitely does make sense. The other question that popped into my head then, as a speaker, um, what kind of guidelines do you give them? Can they do a pitch? Do you think that like there's a certain amount of time that their presentation should be? What would be recommendations for that? 
I love that question. So I do always give my speakers a page of presentation guidelines. Uh, as for the length, I have found for most audiences and for the most from ways the most summits are put on shorter is better so there's a lot of summits you'll see like 45 to 60 minute presentations if it's someone sitting there talking or an interview people it's really hard to keep someone engaged for that long uh so i was chatting with a learning designer about this a couple weeks ago and she's like seriously 20 minutes is like the sweet spot if you can get in give people some action items and get out teach them something quick in 20 minutes that will help move them to to that goal of your summit that's what you're looking for uh but like you said your audience is like food bloggers if they want to do some awesome demos and show people how to make recipes live or you know if you do crafty stuff and want to give a demo of making something oh my goodness heck yes that can be a little bit longer because people want to sit there with you and make it happen right along with you so kind of depends but if it's going to be like a presentation with slides or an interview shorter is definitely better when it comes to that as for pitching your speakers will see a much better return if they pitch something for free and have something set up on the back end to then let them make sales so this will depend on how comfortable your speakers are with marketing and stuff like that um, but if they pitch something free and then even immediately after, like their thank you page is a sales page for a really small offer. That's a great thing to do. Or if they have an email sequence that can go out afterwards to, to pitch something, that's the way to do it. They're going to, that way they're going to get leads. You know, they could get hundreds of leads versus maybe one or two sales, maybe not even. So I, I let them pitch for about three minutes at the end, but it has to be a freebie. And I, I explain why you're going to get more out of this by pitching a freebie. Yes. No, that makes sense. And I think too, what I, at least for what I found as being a speaker that does pitch for me, I have to make sure that the promo that comes, that's going to be paid after the freebie is priced right, is priced at a discount, isn't like my normal price of what I would do if I was doing the launch. Uh, that's definitely been the most successful for sure. Yeah. And like, keep in mind when you're doing that, if you do have an email sequence set up, these people could be going through 10 or 20 other email sequences. So what are you going to do to make your stand out? And I love that giving them some kind of discount. Uh, I've seen people hold off for a couple weeks so that they're coming in after all the noise is over. That's another great thing to try. Um, something I did for a recent summit was I, I tried hosting a live webinar for people like, was it two or three weeks, I think it was three weeks after, which was a little too long. But again, I was waiting for all the noise to be over. They're too busy during summit week to want to buy anything or read my emails. So let's okay. wait a little bit, let them cool down. That's another option too. Okay. No, I love that idea. So smart. Um, and I do think with people with so many different audiences, if I hope their wheels, if you guys listening, your wheels aren't turning right now, you need to be. Because I do, <laughs> I feel like there's just so much opportunity that's not being seen in your like the, my listeners kind of niches and it can be something where they could grow their list and have products going out and that's the thing too like you don't even have to necessarily have a product or service like you're saying like it's just about growing your list which for a lot of bloggers is about driving content and getting those loyal people that are always coming back for the recipes so i love that yeah and like also don't underestimate what you can do with your all access pass sales as well. So I've seen a lot of people newer to summits feel like, okay, I'm going to sell this all access pass. It's going to have the presentations. I can only charge like 10 or $20 for it. 
oh my goodness, you can charge so much more than that. Um, you can like have your speakers contribute some bonuses, whether it's an ebook or, you know, their top 10 favorite recipes, or, you know, if they have any little mini courses or anything like that, contribute it, make it a little bit more higher value, price it $47, $200. You can make some serious money through a summit while building your list for free uh, on the back end. Right. So smart. It's got my own wheels turning. <laughs> um, so Krista, this has been, I could continue to talk to you and fire questions at you probably for the next hour. Um, but where are the best places to connect with you? Obviously, please mention your podcast because I think like, if you want to know about summits, obviously that's the right place to go. Yeah. So my podcast is the Summit Host Hangout Podcast. You can find it at summithosthangout.com. And I publish episodes on there that are like short and sweet. I don't come in and like chat for 10 minutes about nothing and then ramble on about this topic. They're like five, 10 minute episodes. I get in, tell you what you need to know about something very specific and give you action steps to go get started. So if you're kind of noodling on the idea of hosting a summit, that is, that's a really great place to go to get started for sure. Perfect. And what about Instagram? Because you obviously said you're active there. My people love Instagram. Awesome. Yes. I'd love to connect with you guys at Instagram. I will over at Summit in a Box and feel free to shoot me a DM if you listen to this so I can say hi. Perfect. Krista, thank you so much for taking the time to answer all my crazy questions and to speak with my audience. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Well, there you have it. Again, like I said in the beginning, I clearly could have continued to talk to her and fire questions at her about how to pull together a virtual summit. And like I also said in the beginning, this is not just meant for the typical summit that you would think of where you attend as a blogger trying to learn about email and Instagram. This is an opportunity for you to provide a summit for your audience. An audience, as you heard when we were talking in this interview, that is primed for it. They now understand technology because of COVID. It is such a huge opportunity for you. So make sure that you grab her freebie that she has. We are linking to that on the show notes. I also want to thank you guys so much for leaving the fabulous reviews. Uh, most recently, Shelly at Calypso in the Country left the review view saying, I've recently started listening to Jenny's podcast and now I'm hooked. I find that each episode, I feel motivated and ready to take action. She's so easy to relate to with her kind voice and practical advice. Also, she's interviewed some amazing guests. Highly recommend. Shelly, thank you for taking the time to leave a review and rate the podcast. As always, I appreciate it so much when you guys do that. If you're listening into the podcast, take a screenshot and put it up on Instagram stories. Tag me at Jenny underscore Melrose. You can also tag Krista at Summit in a Box. We definitely would love to DM with you and find out what you took away as the number one takeaway from this episode. There were so many nuggets of information. This is an episode you're going to want to go back to and probably take notes on. All right, you guys, I appreciate you all so much. And until next time, I will see you all then.